Well, welcome, Centerpoint family. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we should rejoice and be glad in it because that's what God's word says we should do. I got to say, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm more nervous now than I've ever been before in my life speaking in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> I'd rather be in front of a big crowd than talking to a phone because I miss not seeing your faces, but I'm glad you're here, and I pray that this feed um, stays strong today and that it doesn't uh, pause like it did before, and if it does... Well, be patient, because that's what we're talking about. So let me ask you a question before, uh, before we get going here. And you can answer the question by hitting the little love button on your thing there. But how many of you are still in your jammy pants? Now, be honest with me now, because I'm not, obviously, and my wife wasn't, because she was just here. But I know you're comfortable in your home, and I hope that's good for you. Uh, but just don't get too used to it, because we don't want to make this a normal way of doing church. Because we really miss everybody. And uh, I just have a few other things I want to say before we get going here. But um, I do appreciate your faithfulness uh, to our church and uh, to everything that you do for us. And, and can I just encourage you as we are going through these difficult times that uh, we think of our church um, from a financial perspective. Now, I don't want to get into the money thing here because I'm not. But I do ask you to be faithful in your giving. And uh, if you go to our Centerpoint Assembly um, website, you will see the online sermons tab there. And if you go to that online sermons tab, you will see a donate button. And you can hit that donate button and you can donate through PayPal. And that is a great way to do it, to keep our social distancing proper. And uh, that is a great opportunity for you to give. And, and, and then, by the way, while you're on that online sermons page, you can also listen to my sermons. <laughs> They're there from night from I think 2012 and maybe before that. So there's a hundred, there's a couple hundred sermons there. If you ever get bored or if you can't sleep at night, uh, just go listen to one of my sermons and pretend you're listening on Sunday morning, and they'll put you right to sleep. I promise you. So uh, pr- I appreciate you doing that. I encourage you to do that. I also would encourage you to, on a, on a serious note, I would also encourage you to. Um, Set up your own altar in your home if you haven't done so already. Now, maybe you already have your personal prayer time and your devotion time and you've set up your altar in your home. But uh, in times like this, it's even more important that we take responsibility for our own spiritual life. Uh, For many, um, church on Sunday mornings is the highlight of their spiritual life. And they come to church on Sunday mornings and they have Jackie and Tom and the worship team leading in worship. And it's always very good and always powerful. We have our prayer times and we have those times where we're together and um, we're going to miss those. But I want to encourage you to stay connected. And this is an opportunity for you to let your own spiritual life mature in, in a different way than it's ever been challenged before. That you take your own spiritual life very seriously And you look at it and say, this is an opportunity for me to develop um, my prayer time, my worship time. I encourage you to get some good worship music. And uh, if you don't know where to get worship music, come see me. Come call me. Talk to me. And uh, I can show you where to go on Apple Tunes and get some really good worship music. And it's a great opportunity for you to develop your own uh, personal worship time. And then get into the Word um, and spend time devotions. And, And I think if you do that... I think that even when we do get back to having our church services, that you will find that to be so special for you that you won't want to stop it because that is powerful. And when you can take responsibility and have that personal time, 
it gives you great comfort and peace in times like this when we have this social unrest. And, uh, and I will say that this is not the end. Uh, this is only the first of a few things that are going to be coming as we get closer to the end time. That this is a this is an opportunity for us to uh, really um, get into our own faith personally. So I would just encourage you to uh, do that. All right, now I've also sent you a letter earlier this week. Uh, I think you maybe got it Saturday, and in that letter was a prayer that was written by Jonas Clark. And it's a very powerful prayer. And so as we begin today, I would like you to go um, take a minute, if you, uh, if you can, run over to your um, mailbox or whatever you keep your mail and grab that letter. And I want to pray together. I want to read through this letter together, uh, the prayer against the coronavirus 19. Um, this is powerful. And we can pray together even if we're separated like this. The, the, the word says that if two or more are gathered together, that Jesus says he is in our midst. And when he wrote that, he didn't have Facebook. And when he wrote that, he didn't have FaceTime and he didn't have telephones. But I, if he wrote it today, he would indicate, he would mean that if we're together over Facebook Live, uh, we can still join our prayers together. So if by now, hopefully you've got the letter and I'll read it and you can uh, pray along with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You said in your word, no weapon formed against me would prosper. You have made me the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Thank you for giving me spiritual authority to bind principalities and powers and every evil thing that would rise against me and nothing by any means would harm me. Lord, an evil disease is causing sickness and death throughout the world. Confusion and fear are attacking the minds of men. Yet you are not the author of confusion, but of love, power, and a sound mind. When you called your disciples together, you gave them authority over sickness, disease, unclean spirits, and over all the power of the wicked one. You said no evil would befall me, nor any plague come nigh my dwelling. I will not fear any terror that attacks by night, arrow that flies by day, or pestilence that walks in the darkness. Thank you for giving me authority to use the name of Jesus against every evil attack that must bow. You said I can speak to mountains, even mountains of sickness, and command them to flee, and they will. So at the name of Jesus, we speak to the disease called coronavirus 19. And with the faith of God in our hearts and authority and power on our lips, we bind you, devil, and destroy your power to make us sick. We plead the blood of Jesus against you, for the blood of Christ speaks blessings for us and judgment on the evil wiles and strategies of the enemy. God says, whatsoever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Thank you for giving us the anointing of the Holy Spirit to destroy the wiles of the devil. We pray Christ's kingdom come and his will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. For the Lord will not cast off his people. Neither forsake his promises. Blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. The Lord is a warrior. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I pray that that you've prayed that, and I would encourage you to pray that every day. Get this out and keep it by your your, your bedside or on your table uh, when you have your meals, and just pray this prayer along with reading Psalms Psalms chapter 91. And uh, let's just be consistent and be together in our prayers for this country. Amen. So this morning, 
I want to pray. I want to. Uh, I want to pray this morning, and then we're going to um, talk about the next fruit of the spirit. We've been on a series called the fruit of the spirit. Um, on the Holy Spirit, talking about him as a way that we would learn more and more about who he is and how he comforts us and how important it is that we have a relationship with him. So let's pray first. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you, Father, for this day. And, Lord, we just offer our hearts to you today, and we just submit our lives, and we are just asking you to uh, be real in us today as we come to you and we listen to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm getting a message from my audience here. What's the message, Chris? Okay, a special prayer. That would be great. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. Uh, Kelsey and Morgan just asked for special prayer, and so let's do that right now. That's just, uh, let's just agree together for special prayer for Kelsey and Morgan. Um, they are um, a little nervous right now, and rightly so, because of their disease and that they have, and they are at risk. And so let's just pray for them. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, and we do pray for Morgan and Kelsey today. Lord, we just pray that you'd put your arms around them and a special blanket of protection around that family. Lord, and there's many others like that that also have cystic fibrosis and other ailments. And for all those others in this world that are um, at risk, we pray, Father, your protection. We pray, God, that you will just guard them and, and protect them. Send your angels of protection and just uh, guard our hearts, guard our bodies. Guard us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So this morning, we are going to be talking about the um, patience. Patience. What a, what a great thing to be talking about this morning as we are in the moment where we need patience probably more than anything. It's a different world for us today, isn't it? We're, we're in uncharted territory. We've never had our freedoms compromised like we are right now. In all honesty, um, we don't know where this is going to go in the future. This may get a little tighter before it gets better. But that's okay because we don't have to panic. We don't have to worry. We don't have to despair over this because we have beautiful homes that we can hunker down in and we have a, a place that we can be protected. And so let's just, let's just encourage each other in this time and be patient. So as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit... Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is so that we can have the characteristics of God that he wants us to exhibit so that we are effective in building his kingdom here on earth so that we can share an eternal kingdom with him. The fruit of the Spirit is so important in our life because that is the characteristics of God. That's who he, that's who he is. And as we become more like God, the fruit of the Spirit will become evident and alive in our life as well. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Let's just remind ourselves. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine very specific things in our life that we can develop and that we can grow. In our discussion of fruit as living as, as a growing characteristic in our life, it is, like I've said before, the characteristics of God. And it takes time to develop that. And so I just want to encourage us to look at the seed of this fruit, plant it in our life, and then be patient as God helps grow it in us. There's nothing we can do to hurry the process. The process takes time. We need to be patient in the process. And that's exactly why patience is such a, such a supernatural fruit for us. 
And it's so important that we have patience in our life more than probably anything else. We need to be patient with ourselves and with other people. I know that we are impatient. <laughs> and I know that people have a tendency to um, always want things today, immediate gratification. We are not a delayed gratification people, and it's not easy for us. So this morning, I want to just um, define patience. What does patience really mean? Well, patience, by definition, patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble or suffering without getting angry or getting upset. Now, that's, pretty, uh, that's the big part about it is that we can have patience and we can accept and de- the delays and the troubles, but the key is that we don't get upset in the process. The old saying is patience is a virtue. <laughs> now, I know that that's a, a good saying, and it's hard to hear sometimes because it drives me kind of crazy when I look at it because my patience isn't always the best. I can be an impatient person. But what does a patient person look like? Let's talk about patience. It comes from the Greek word macrothumia. Macrothumia. Macro meaning long or big. And thumia meaning temper. So literally, it means that we are to have a long fuse as opposed to being quick-tempered. So the fruit of patience is in direct conflict with the person that is quick-tempered or hot-headed. It's being willing to allow God to unveil his purposes in our lives without getting ahead of him in the process. Wow, that's a big one. I think many times we want to jump ahead. We're not patient with God's process. And we have some ideas that we want to get going. And so rather than us being patient for God to bring us along along, along his timing, we, we jump ahead and we think that we're going to uh, get our plan out there. Then we're going to expect God to bless it. Hmm. I think that's where we have some of our problems. I think it's patience is really letting God be God and me be me. And being okay with that. Um, Yesterday I did a funeral for a little seven-year-old boy. And uh, sometimes it's hard to let God be God. Sometimes we want to question God. And it's okay to, to ask questions. God can handle your questions. But I think when we can appreciate that it's so comforting for us when we recognize that our God is so much bigger than us. If I had to depend upon my ideas all the time, and if I was my only source of inspiration and my only source of comfort, I would be one miserable man, and my wife wouldn't be very happy either. So it's important that we let God be God, and we know how big he is, and we allow him to give us the the wherewithal and give us the patience to accept his plan, whatever that looks like and whenever that comes. And we need to be okay with that. Patience or long-suffering is an ability to suffer long without going to pieces. <laughs> and I know that can be difficult sometimes because we, we get so impatient and we just want God to come to our aid right now and in the moments that we're in. And, um, so I just want to encourage us to remember that the fruit of the Spirit is God's character and we can develop that, and it's going to take time to develop that. And we have to learn to grow and to bear his character with us. 
God is all the fruit. God exhibits all the fruit of the Spirit. And as we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, God understands that. And he understands the fact that we are an impatient people. But I'm so thankful that God is patient with us. How do I know that? How do I know that God is patient with me? How do I know that God is patient with you? Well, Scripture is full of passages that describe God's patience. Psalms chapter 86, verse 15. It says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. But you, God, are a compassionate and gracious God. He's slow to anger. He's not anxious with us. He understands where we're coming from, and he understands our our impatience, and he's abounding in his grace. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? God's patience is all about us. It's all about trying to get us to see him and how much he loves us and how much he's concerned for us. Let's just stop here for a minute because if we really see the fruit of the Spirit coming out of God's character, we'll see God's kindness and his patience and his tolerance for us. Do you see that? Do you see what it says in that, in that passage right there? Is This is the character of God that is leading us to desire a relationship with him. He's not a mean God. He's not an angry God. He's a very patient God. He's a very loving God. And he's very tolerant with us. And he wants nothing more than for us to see that kindness of his love that would invite us to come in to be in part of his family and to uh, develop that same character in us. And then Romans chapter 9, verse 22 and 23 It says, in the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, listen to this, God has the very right to show his anger and his power, yet he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy. That is an amazing attribute of God. He has every right to judge me immediately. But here's the point. Patience for God is not a sign of his weakness. An all-powerful God has the right to be quick in his judgments for men because we've all failed him numerous times. I don't deserve his patience. I don't deserve it. But yet his love for me and his patience and his kindness towards me gives me second, third, fourth chances and many more. His patience toward us is not a sign of weakness and it's certainly not an inability for him to judge and to punish quickly because he can if he he would desire that. But yet in his strength and his rights to be the judge of all, he is patient with people. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen to that. Did you hear that? God is not slow in keeping his promise. In 
in the way we understand slowness. Because, again, we get so anxious. We want to jump ahead of God. We don't want to go through the hard times. We don't want to experience coronavirus. And we don't want to how it impacts our social distancing guidelines and how it impacts the ability for us to go out and go to a restaurant and have a meal. Those things just really inhibit us. We're so spoiled. We've taken those things for granted so much. But God's patience is not slow in that he is patient with us. And even in the times that we get impatient, his patience comes through. And why is he patient with us? This is the key point. Why is he patient with us? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to a relationship with Jesus. There is such hope in that. There is such comfort in that. That we have a God that, that loves me so much, that loves you so much, right where you're at, sitting in your jammy pants. He loves you, and he loves you, and he wants you to come to a relationship with him wherever you're at. It doesn't make any difference. This is, not, this is a great opportunity for the church to be the church outside of the walls of the church, that you can show love and compassion and kindness to your neighbor as well. You can be patient with them as well. As God is patient with you, you can be patient with them. So let me ask the question, what does it really mean to be patient or long-suffering? What does it mean to be patient? From a worldly view, it may be gritting one's teeth, just trying to get through without giving up. I mean, sometimes we just have to bear it. We just have to get through the point, and we just have to, and it's almost difficult because from a worldly perspective, patience is not hopeful. There's not much hope in the world when it comes to patience if I'm just trusting the world for my patience. But for the child of God, it's, it's not just a matter of gritting, gritting one's teeth and somehow enduring the pain or the suffering, hoping that in the end God will reward you. See, we have a promise. For the Christian, it's being patient in the, in the realization that being patient is that God is in charge and still in control and that he has everything ordained or he will work everything out for our best interest as I'm committed to following him regardless of the, of the circumstances around me. Now, I know it's easy to be patient when things are good. It's easier to be patient when I have money in the checking account. It's easier to be patient when I'm healthy. But I will tell you that God's patience goes beyond that, goes beyond our circumstances. And if you're committed to him, again, another key point is that as I'm committed to him, Listen, as I'm committed to him, as I surrender to him, as I submit my life to him, as I, as I live my life honoring him more than honoring myself, clearly putting him at the center point of my life, this is the promise. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, listen, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. There is not one thing outside of God's realm of control. The only thing he doesn't control is me and you. We have the choices. And this verse says that he works all things for the good of those who love him. In other words, we have the choice. And as long as I'm choosing to love him, then he is then he has the ability to work out all things for my good. But if I step outside of that love, if I step outside of that choice, if I say, God, I'm going to do it my way for a bit, do you mind if I just take over here for a little bit? 
then I'm taking him out of the ability to be in control of things. I know that sounds hard, and I know that's not what the world likes to hear, but that's the truth of the matter. That as long as I am loving God, submitting to him, living my life to the best of my ability, living with a repentant attitude. When I mess up, I say, I'm sorry, I repent, I come back to him. I love him and I put him at the first part of my life. He give him the first priority of my checkbook, the first priority of my time, of my schedule, of my calendar, of my relationships. When I give him the first priority of that, then his word says that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those that do that. And he will work everything out according to his purpose. That requires patience on our part. Patience can also mean perseverance. Here's a word that none of us really like. (laughs) I, I don't really like perseverance because sometimes it's hard to persevere. But perseverance is meaning that we don't give up. We don't give up. Rather, we persevere trusting God as our source. We don't give up. Great encouragement. James, the half brother of Christ says this in his first chapter of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Listen to these words because this is not natural. This takes supernatural patience. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may, you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Wow. Consider it pure joy. See, if he would have said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when everything is good, when you have money in the bank, when everybody's healthy, when everything's good in your relationships, then I could see that how I could like perseverance. But he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, we're experiencing some trials right now in this country. Coronavirus 19 is a trial, something we've never been through before. It's uncharted territory for us. This is a trial. We are to have joy in this, knowing that as we persevere here, we persevere in keeping Christ at the center point, that that perseverance will finish its work so that it will mature us. Remember what I said earlier about coming up with your own um, altar at home, your own spiritual life at home? See, this is part of the maturing process. This is where we need to take control of our attitude, take control of our priorities at home, make good choices, good choice of your time. Spend time with God, spend time in the word. And then James says a little bit later in that same chapter, chapter 1, verse 12, he said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. What a promise. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. That's heaven. That's eternity. It's an eternal life where there will be no more problems. That's a promise to those that love him. So let me ask a couple other quick questions. Why is this important that we exercise patience and perseverance? Why is it important? Why is this fruit so important? Well, it's for the sake of others as well as for our own salvation. Being patient and developing perseverance is not only for my pres- my preservation, because it is. It is my salvation, but it also helps other people. Paul writes to Timothy and encourages him to persevere in the faith 
so that others, as they observe his life and by his example, can also be saved. First Timothy chapter four, verses 15 through 16, it says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, here's what you will have. This is what will happen if you do because persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So patience, perseverance, it's my salvation and it also helps you and your perseverance and your patience helps me and together we see how important the fruit of the spirit is. That God uses our patience and our perseverance as a way to win the lost around us. Scripturally speaking, the term we described earlier, macrothumia or long-suffering, is used to reference Christ's followers being patient and long-suffering with people. Now, we've been talking how important and how much we appreciate God's patience with us. But fruit of the Spirit, if I'm developing it in my life, then I'm going to be more patient with you. And I'm going to be more patient with my wife. And she's going to be more patient with me. And everybody's going to be more patient. Siblings, you're going to get along better. You're going to be more patient with your, with your brothers and your sisters. Maybe your parents. I know sometimes that the ones closest to us often, often push our buttons the most. And so I think when we can learn how to be patient with those people, I think that will give them a, a much, we'll have a much happier life. We'll get along much better if we can truly be patient with them. It's our mission to reach out and to save the lost. And the way we save the lost is not through hard words. It's through patience. It's through kindness. It's through love. That's the crucible, crucial element in our life. You see, if I'm going to have a significant impact or influence on the people around me, I must exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And patience is one of those key ones. If I'm impatient with the lost person, if I'm impatient with a person that maybe has been hurt by the church in the past, maybe people have been hurt and offended, and now if I come as a Christian, in quotes, Christian, coming to them and pushing them hard, driving and, and things of that nature, I'm just, I'm just proving the fact that church is still bad to them. I need to come back and I need to slow down and be patient and allow the love of Jesus to come through my life. Peter continues in his passage to us and he gives us an encouragement to be patient in this way. He says, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience, here it is, our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him that the Lord's patience and that the Lord's patience is also my patience. It's the patience that I've been developing as the fruit of the Spirit. And that means salvation, not just to me, but also to those that I have come in contact with. There's an article written in the Enrichment Journal by author Paul Lee, and he says this about patience. I'll read this. You may not be able to read it on the screen. But it says, Thus God's patience or slowness in unleashing his wrath is not because of leniency or an unwillingness to act. Rather, his patience is an opportunity for his children to repent and trust the Savior. In his patience, the Father waits, not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to the Savior and trust him. That's awesome. So how does God's patience translate into our lives? 
Well, we read about it in 2 Corinthians. We are to um, prove to the world through our actions, through our language, through our attitudes. You see, the thing is about fruit, as we've said before, fruit declares or it identifies the tree that's coming from. If an apple tree is claiming to be an apple tree, it better have apples hanging off of its limbs. If there's an orange and an apple tree, there's something wrong with that tree. There's something wrong with this equation. And that's what hurts people, is when we say we're one thing and living another thing. And that's what Paul wrote about in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 and 6, is that we are to understand how important our consistency is in our life so that we don't confuse people. We don't say we're one thing and then be another thing because that actually ends up being a stumbling block, and that's a bad thing. What does Paul say? 2 Corinthians 6, verses 3 through 6, it says, We put no stumbling block to in anyone's path so that our ministry will, will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, here's that, that's, or perseverance. Endurance and perseverance can be the same words. In great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in coronavirus 19, <laughs> in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love. So we put no stumbling block before people. In other words, we are living a life that's consistent before them so that they aren't looking at us and getting confused. So as we continue to discuss the fruit of the Spirit, let's always remember the purpose of our fruit is to nourish people and to prove our genuineness and to earn the respect of a dying world. If we're to have any influence in their life, then we need to exhibit the fruit of patience just like God does to us so that we can be a comforting force in this very unsettling world. I don't think there's any more timely message than this message of patience today. I know that I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> I'm ready that I can just go out and be normal. I can get back in the school bus and drive the school bus again. And I, I look forward to that. I look forward just to getting out with people again. And, and Lord, I just need patience. So as we conclude today, let me just summarize this. Like every other fruit that we've spoken of so far, the only way that we can truly experience the growth of the fruit is for us to be in proper relationship with the gardener. And who is that gardener? It's Jesus. If I am truly going to grow the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, if I'm going to allow those fruit to grow into my life, I need the gardener there to trim my branches. I need the gardener there to help my roots grow deep into his soil. See, the reality is, folks, we can't share something we don't have. If I don't have the fruit of the Spirit in my life, then I can't share it with other people. So that's why it's that important. If I'm going to be an effective uh, pastor, if I'm going to be an effective husband, if I'm going to be an effective friend, just like you, if you're going to be an effective coworker effective minister in whatever ministry that you're in, you must have the fruit of the Spirit. You must have it coming through your life so that you can share it with others. Yeah. The beautiful thing about the fruit of patience is that it gives us a hope that will never fail. As we're patiently and faithfully serving God until the end, we'll have a hope and a promise that will never fail. I 
I am so, as I said yesterday in, in the funeral for Lennox, you know, there is no downside to being a Christian. There is absolutely no downside to being a follower of Jesus. When I love him like this, and I commit my life to him, and I submit my life to him, there is no regret. I, I don't regret what I did last night. I don't regret uh, the lifestyle of my choices. Because there is no regret when I'm truly honoring him, when I'm truly doing the best to be a follower of Jesus, truly doing the best to let the fruit of the Spirit grow in my life. There is no downside. It's not hard. The devil makes it hard. The enemy makes it hard. The enemy comes in and he wants to steal, rob, and destroy. And he wants to make us think that we're giving up so much in this world if I'm going to live a life for Christ. But I'm telling you, I will tell you from my, my own experience, and you can talk to many other believers out there that are solid in their faith, and they will tell you that there's no regrets. Let me leave you with this verse, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 35 and following. It says, So do not throw away this confidence or this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. <laughs> so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith. It's so important that we recognize that there's coming a time when the day will be done. I don't know when that is. I don't know when it is corporately, when the rapture of the church happens, because it's going to happen. I promise you, the Bible says it's going to happen. If I don't live to see that, I will, leave my, I will live my own rapture, and I don't know when that, coming, that time's coming either. But the righteous ones live by faith. And so if I am going to have the reward, if, if great patience is going to give me the reward that I want, then I have to live it today. What does this mean? It means that we need to remain anchored in our faith that we need to trust in Jesus and we need to seek his continuing indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to learn to trust. We need to learn to listen to his wisdom and that small voice that, that comes into our hearts. We need to listen to that and trust that and then we need to fully submit ourselves to him. Now, if you're having a hard time with that, call me. Call me this week or find another believer and be honest with them. As I said earlier, we need, God respects our honesty. If I don't come to God honestly, then he can't honestly help me. So if you're struggling with patience, if you're struggling with this, um, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, it's okay. Be honest and let people help you and let the Holy Spirit help you. Invite him in. But be honest with yourself. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you for everything that you mean to us. And I thank you, Father, for, for what you're doing and, and how you're impacting our heart and our life today. And I pray, God, that as we go through these times of uncharted territory, I pray, God, that you will just give us a comfort. And I pray, God, that we will find ourselves being more patient, um, more persevering, more long-suffering with the people that we're close to. And if we have to self-quarantine, it's going to be even more difficult in some cases. God, that I pray that we would learn to love people differently. Learn to love people the way you love people. Help us to be really accepting of each other. 
Help us to draw closer to you. And I do pray, God, that we would find that altar time, that time where we would come that it's just you and I together, that we would pray and listen and seek your voice. I pray comfort now on your people. And I pray, God, that you would bless them. And I pray, Father, that you would be with our president and be with this task force and be with our government leaders. Lord, I pray for, uh, like we prayed at the beginning, I pray for every person that is compromised in any way, shape, or form. I pray, Father, you strengthen them and put your hedge of protection about them. And I pray, Father, that we would accept your purpose, whatever that may be, that we would seek your face and that we would humble ourselves and that you would heal this land and bring revival to our hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today.